The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Mentory TV podcast and thrive with Patricia Falco-Beccali. Welcome back to another edition of COVID-19 from crisis to creation here on Mentory TV. I'm Patricia Falco-Beccali, your host. I don't know about you, but I think these markets out there, the equity markets I'm talking about, seem absolutely irrational, if not to say mad. I look at the markets yesterday, for example, in the US, we have the S&P 500 recovering 35% since the March lows hit on the 23rd of March of this year. Um, as the COVID-19 crisis hit, the lockdowns came. Of course, there was a lot of panic in the market. And since then, it seems that the economy is going to recover in a V-shape. It seems that there's no worse recession since the big depression in 1930s coming along. It seems not at all that the U.S., for example, at the moment has an unemployment rate of almost 20%. What is happening? I want to know what is driving these markets, what is driving investors into an equity market that seems to be telling a totally different story than the underlying economy. The underlying economy is not looking too rosy, at least for the next six or even 18 months. So today, I thought, why not look at behavioral finance? What drives markets here, really? Is it the human or is it the rationale within the humans? And for that, I invited actually the expert when it comes to behavioral science here in Europe, Manfred Hübner is with us here on Mentory TV, and he's going to explain to us really what behavioral science is and what it all means, what the market is trying to tell us and what the underlying economy really is all about. Manfred, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, good morning. Glad to be with you. Manfred, uh, just a very quick wrap on what you actually do. You created a sentiment index called Centix, Centix Global Investor Survey. So every week you interview uh, with a survey about 5,000 investors, and not only institutional, meaning professional investors, but also people like me, not you know private people, not, not uh, professional investors, and get a bit of a feel where they are right now. Are they worried? Are they happy? Are are they feeling greedy? Are they feeling sad, depressed? And with that sentiment data, that collection, you pretty much can predict as a leading indicator what we may see on the equity investors market. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And we do it now for almost 20 years. Uh, we started 2001. And when you remember that time, uh, it was the time of the internet bubble, everyone is talking about some irrational exuberance in the market. And uh, that time, um, my colleague Patrick and I, we were fund manager with a large German um, investment house. And we thought about how can we measure 
this kind of irrationality. And uh, there was no data out there. Uh, so that's why we started Sandix um, to get a better insight in what's going on in investors' minds. Because as you mentioned it, we think we are rational investors. We want to be rational all the time, but we have to understand that emotions are incorporated in every decision we do. Uh, so we have to get a, a more sense of what's going on um, to, to say it under the surface, what's going on with investors' emotions uh, to get a better idea what's going on in the markets. And that's why we founded Centix. And uh, as I mentioned, um, this is uh, by far, I, I think, the most relevant and, and representative um, survey in the world right now. Uh, almost one, uh, over 1,000 institutional investors and a lot of semi-professional individual investors are taking part and give us uh, an almost real-time um, view uh, what's going on in their minds, what is the emotional state, and not to forget uh, what uh, is the, their investment behavior. Yes, and I think this is uh, something that we're going to drill definitely deep into, what Centix really can give the investor as a potential tool. Manfred, let me first of all share a screen with you when it comes to what's going on right now. That is a, um, a chart of where experts at the moment see the market is moving. So this is the market sentiment index. And as you can see here, and I pulled it out from Market Insider this morning, and it was just captured uh, over the last few days. So what we see is a big drop, the red line, into panic mode, March 2020. That is, as COVID-19 crisis really hit, people started to get really worried and locked down. Basically, we put the economy across the world in a self-induced coma. The market reacted, people reacted with total panic. And since then, that is the kind of rally. We are now in euphoria. So this kind of sentiment is incredibly uh, the other story, the other side of a coin, where the other side of the coin is rather dark and gloomy when you look at the backdrop. Let me uh, share another screen with you, and that is the fear and greed index, which on, which on the other side seems a little bit more rational because it seems that no fear, no greed, kind of like, okay, we're in neutral territory right now, and only about a year ago we were in extreme fear. Let me stop sharing right now and get a reaction from you, first of all, Manfred, to these two charts. Yeah, the interesting point is that you showed us two different measurements of sentiment. And the question is, what, what we see there, is this really sentiment? I would question it. If I look on our own data, um, we have a quite a different picture on, on that. And the, the, that's the first problem we have with behavioral finance in the market, that there is not a standard out there. We see a lot of indicators claiming themselves as sentiment. But for example, if you um, take the first chart you, you see from um, this euphoria measurement, you see it, it's very gradually uh, going up and down. It's a very smooth indicator. And this uh, at, at first is a, a hint that this cannot be sentiment because you have to think about emotions. Emotions are very short-term uh, influences uh, which affects us. And uh, if you try to be on a party and stay there for two weeks, you cannot uh, keep the party going. 
in, 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 in euphoric mood for two weeks. It's not possible. Uh, that's why we see we have to leave the party if, if, if the mood is, is too good, because we all know it cannot stay for a long time. So that's, that's the first thing we have to, uh, if we go um, have a look on that, we have to make sure that we measure the right things. And most measurements we see outside in the markets are derived from market prices. So they claim if prices go up, then people should be optimistic. But that's not necessarily the case. Uh, instead, we see that the biggest or the, the best trends in the market are trends where the market is climbing. Investors think others are bullish, but if, if you look on our own data and, and we ask investors and, and go a little bit deeper into their minds, we see there is no uh, euphoric or there is not a good mood in, instead. So I, I think um, when we talk about behavior finance, we, make we have to make sure that we really distinguish between what knows the market, so what is the wisdom investors have uh, uh, to these markets, uh, what is the emotional state of investors, and we have to make sure that we really get uh, the emotional state and the third party. The third part is where does investors um, take their shoes in, where do they invest, um, because at the end you can measure euphoria in, in by whatever indicator you like, if investors are not invested, what, what does that mean? That cannot be euphoric. If people are really uh, euphoric, then they want to get into the party. They want to get their share out of the markets. So uh, a market where people are constantly selling or are not invested in the market cannot be really in, in, yeah. in, a, in a state of emotion, um, euphoric um, emotion. Exactly. That means that they don't have a vested interest in the market, literally. So even if they are euphoric, they have nothing to act on. So they will not really influence what's happening uh, in the markets themselves. Manfred, I would like you to, to um, unravel for us a little bit the definition of behavioral finance, because unless we all understand what it really means. We will never understand if we look at the markets and we look at the reality, why everything actually may make sense. So let me share another screen with you. And if you wouldn't mind, Manfred, this is behavioral finance and the four uh, elements that seem to be influencing the decision-making of any market player. Yeah, behavioral finance is, is all about how we humans make decisions. And to understand how we make decisions, we have to understand how our brain works. And there's a theory called the Trinity Theory states that our brain is made uh, um, from three different parts of a brain which developed over time uh, in the evolution. So we still have a brain working the stems from the reptiles where this, this brain is, is very dumb. It, it only uh, leads us uh, for breathing or for, um, the, to preserve our life under, under a heavy threat. So, to, for example, if we see fire in a room, we want to flee. It, it, it gets, uh, it's an automatism. So this reptile brain uh, almost inst uh, always works without our uh, possibility to interfere these are the basic um, uh, functions. Then over time, 
we developed the limbic system, and the limbic system is the home of the emotions. So every uh, mammal um, has this limbic system and is uh, capable of having emotions. And then over time, on top of that, we developed the neocortex, which we are so proud as a humans that uh, leads us to have us uh, rockets uh, sending to the moon. So we are very capable to doing things, especially if these things uh, can be mathematically uh, calculated and then have very um, defined set of um, outcomes. We can do very fantastic things as, as humans. The, the problem with these three brains is they are not working uh, for certain functions. So, for example, only some uh, decisions are um, correlated with emotions. The problem is they are working in parallel. And every information we get from the outside, reaching our brain through the eyes or whatever, by hearing something, uh, goes to the limbic system and also to the neocortex. And the interesting point is that the limbic system is quite is a very uh, uh, um, a very quick um, decision maker. It only looks on um, it 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 not not need the full um, set of information to decide. It decides on our previous uh, experience we have. So uh, we we think we do. Uh, look on a situation in a rational way, but instead of our brain is all, only trying to rationalize a feeling we all, uh, already have. Yeah, and, and that means that's the this is influencing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the basic of behavioral finance. First is to understand how we make decisions. There are a lot of um, yeah anomalies uh, um, stemming from from that. This has to do with um, the type of information or the type of learning we had before. We have uh, lots of heuristics with us, which uh, guided us through history very well. For example, um, um, when you, you have to think about that our brains are genetically the same than they were 10,000 years before. And 10,000 years before we were living in caves and, and, and go uh, on, on hunting. And uh, whenever we, we saw something dangerous, we were, it was important for us to, to react very quickly to, to spot this uh, danger and then to, to, to flee. The problem now is that we not live in this environment, but our brain still working the same way, though. That is why, for example, when fear arises in us, for whatever reasons, this fear would trigger um, the tendency to flee something out. It's really interesting, as you were saying, uh, Manfred, that really it is our underlying emotions that tend to drive more uh, our actions, our behavior, than the rational capability that we gained with the uh, neofrontal cortex, uh, mm -hmm. which is really that that should make sense and make us have uh, the ability to make rational decisions. By the way, there's a really, really good book out there for anybody who is uh, interested in reading it. It's called Judgment in Managerial Decision-Making by Max uh, Bazerman and 
and uh, John Moore, which I looked into it, and it, it, it really just does it in the managerial side, how difficult really it is to make good calls, right decisions without the tummy, without the emotions. It is very difficult indeed. And I think uh, it back in the 70s, it was already proven that we are not uh, rational beings. We are human beings and that emotions are driving more and more. And, I, and previously also, as we were talking, um, Manfred, I, I uh, put up a official definition of behavioral finance as the study of the influence of psychology on the behavior of investors and financial analysts, okay? And what it actually says, it, it focuses on the fact that investors are not always rational, have limits to their self-control are influenced by their own biases. And I think the bias is exactly that. The bias is your past experience, your wishful thinking that creates a certain emotion and that makes then uh, act you out one way or the other. Now, Manfred, I know you have prepared for us a couple of screen shares as well to just make the whole question of behavioral finance timely and for anybody uh, in the Mentorate TV community to understand what's happening right now, this kind of dismatch uh, or mismatch between underlying picture of the economy and what the markets are telling us. But perhaps the Centix Index tells us this is exactly where the market should be going as far as our index is concerned. And this is the market, uh, this is the way the market will continue to go as far as our outlook is concerned. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, I do. And before, uh, let me uh, add uh, an important point. It was Professor Schiller from Yale University, one of the Nobel laureates uh, in behavioral finance, who uh, claimed in the 80s that only about 20% of all market volatility can be explained by so-called fundamental factors. And we, we, we point uh, or we, we use the picture of an iceberg to, to, to spot the, the, the problem we have. Uh, if you think on an iceberg, we know about 20% of the iceberg is visible uh, above the surface. And this is the so-called fundamentals. We can see it, we can measure it. A lot of analysts uh, gorging, okay, this has this height, this mass. They're looking on the wind and then they want to predict where's this iceberg heading to. So typically, if, if the wind comes from the west, uh, putting on this uh, landmass, then the iceberg should drift further uh, to the east. But the problem is below the surface is 80% of the mass. And the stream, the underground stream uh, in the ocean is far more important than the wind above and the landmass and the height, etc. What we don't and, see is much more important than what is right. visible, right? Is what you're trying to say. Right. And, and that is uh, the, the kind of psychology in the market. So everyone is looking on, on, on the so-called facts and we know we have this, uh, we have the, the April lockdown, no, nowhere in the world was business, it's all so bad. Uh, and that leads to the impression, okay, if, if everything is so bad, how can markets go up? And this can only be explained if you go take a look uh, below the surface. And that is what we try to do with our sentiment indicators by, by Centix and uh, so the, the the first chart I'd like to share with you. Yeah, let's do, let's do a uh, deep dive here. Let's do the deep dive into the emotions and the psychology of investors currently driving the markets uh, during this COVID nineteen pandemic. Right, okay. and and what I uh, like to 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 show you here on this chart is that this is how we think sentiment looks like. 
So remember your first chart or the first two charts you present us. They, these look quite different, these charts, than the charts you showed us. And you see this high fluctuation, though the first attribute of sentiment, as I mentioned before, emotions are quickly rising and, and go quickly from greed and fear. And we every day we have maybe a certain mood. We measure the sentiment in a weekly survey. And what you can is see... Is that the blue line? Is that the blue line? The, the blue line is the Eurostoxx 50 net return index. So this is the equity market performance. And the green and red shades area are the sentiment. If you have a, a green number, it means we have more bulls than bears in the market. And uh, red means we have more bears than bulls in the market. And you can see that, for example, here, uh, we have very high optimism in the market and we have a market top. Uh, Manfred, can I just ask you, can you enlarge the screen somehow? It seems that your email popped in. If not, it's fine. But I was just thinking that maybe you can enlarge the screen a bit. You're sharing right now. Yeah, good, good, good. That's already better. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Um, I will... Uh, dip, 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 dip. I will delete it. So uh, we do it again. So you see here a high optimism in the market and you see a market top. And typically you see high pessimism and you see the markets are near the low. So that's a classic relation in sentiment. Uh, and that has to do that we humans typically want to invest in line with our emotions. If, if we are very fearful, it's very hard for us to invest, even if we know we should invest because we think the market is cheap. For example, it's very hard for us to overcome this fear and to invest. So typically, it means that if you have a bullish mood in the markets, you have investors, more. it's more easy for them to invest and, and to, to maintain higher uh, positions in the market. And bad mood means it's uh, for them uh, very hard to maintain the position, their, their fear of, uh, of loss, and then they sell. So typically, when we have high pessimism, like here, like here, it's always a good idea to, to think about buying. And when you see uh, this year in, in the COVID-19 crisis, we see this huge drop, this, this sharp crash, and it leads to massive panic in the market. Yeah, and let me just quickly interject because you said a really key line there, um, Manfred. You said, when you see these big drops, it's time to buy. So if everybody around you feels like really scared, is that the moment for you to lead on and put your money where everybody else is feeling scared? The, the, the problem is we have to overcome two problems. The first problem is that we are humans by ourselves. And that means... We, we have the same problem uh, we fear in that moment. And, and we are also uh, fear that we lose more if we go too early into the market. Uh, and the only point to overcome this is to see that all others are fearful. But this is only one half of the question. The, the, the first half is, okay, we know all others are in the state of fear. That, that means from past experience, it could be a good idea to invest, but we would be much more inclined to invest if we see that people already have uh, sold, uh, sold uh, their positions in the market. So if we spot high pessimism, 
And we also spot that they are indeed uh, selling their equities, which is a much better uh, uh, point to invest. And that can lead to the point that we know from statistical analysis that this is a good opportunity. Mm. And that gives us the chance to overcome our own fear. Because what we have to understand is that in that moment, when everybody is fearful, we also, as even as a behavioral investor, uh, we have this fear too, because we are humans, we cannot escape it. The only point is that we can reflect this fear and can say, okay, we know all others are fearful. We know from the past, if the others are fearful, we typically have a low in the market and that can give us the, the strength to, to invest. And uh, before I come to the second chart where I showed you what the people did already, do they buying or selling the equities? I want to stress one important point because uh, people um, cannot understand why is this market so strong in the last weeks. We can understand, it's, it's not too hard to understand that mid-March we have so much panic in the market that we see some sort of technical correction. But what people do not understand is that this technical correction still persists now for two months. And the interesting point is, look on this chart. Yeah. This is the current number. It's okay. minus 0.04, uh, uh, 05. That means that still after this rally, there are still more short-term pessimism in the markets and optimism. People cannot understand this rally. Yeah, this is what I was trying they, to say. They, yeah, they're not get excited about it. Uh, it's very interesting. We never seen that before. That this bad mood stays for so long. Typically, the bad mood uh, goes away very quickly. If markets react to the upside, then people get a, a little bit more optimistic, as as we see it in the past. And even in the financial crisis, 2007, 2008, we never had a situation like that, that pessimism stays so chronic. Uh, the and at the same time, the market rally seems to be quite right. chronic, even, I mean, even if just short term. It seems that here, um, I don't know, again, people are doing something that is totally opposite their own conviction and own emotion. Two questions here. A, does that mean that really this rally is very, very much a house of cards? Um, and, and B, uh, it's just a dead cat bounce, uh, just prolonged, but it will crash down even further because people are actually in the market, but not in high volumes. Um, we have to understand this, this move downwards is the biggest drop in history we ever had in, in the markets. And it, it brings a huge shock to, to investors. Also, we saw from other indicators, for example, from our own economic indices, we saw that people realized that, this, uh, that, that something important changes in the economy. People are very pessimistic about the medium-term prospects. Uh, the problem, what they underestimate is the power of the market to gain from all one pessimism. And on the other hand, they have difficulties to understand what does it mean that uh, central banks around the globe inject so much money. We have the biggest injection of money in history ever 
uh, around uh, about six to eight trillion US dollars are uh, injected into the market in the last six to eight weeks. And people know that this is only money to stabilize and they fear that after this money is processed yeah. through the through the markets, then then the real problems in the economy will re-emerge. And from that, they want to be clever and say, we cannot invest in this market because we know it, it it's not sound to do that. The problem is, that's not how markets working. The, if you think about like that, if you think, I do not invest in this rally because I fear that after that, the market will fall means you do not the first step because you think about the second step. Yes. The problem yep. is you have to make both steps. You cannot avoid it. Yeah, but that is an interesting one. If you want to now just open up our screen uh, so we can talk about this a little bit and, and move away from the screen share, if I may ask you, Manfred, because that's interesting, because that was, thank you, that would actually indicate that the first step is it needs to be irrational. I know I'm not feeling comfortable, but I'm moving out of my comfort zone and I'm buying into a market because in the second step, I rationalize and I say, okay, we have the central banks pumping in money uh, as if there was no tomorrow. Nobody really caring whether that causes then long-term inflation or not. We've got uh, fiscal help and we do hope and it's visual thinking that this will then in the long term really help the economy recover long-term from this COVID shock and also the market shock. So we have to go, is this, is this right? And please correct me if I'm not right. We have to go through this irrational step of doing something that's outside of our, of our comfort zone to then arrive at the rationale saying, no, actually, long-term, it does make sense. And yes, already now, I should bet on it with my savings. Whenever people are more ahead uh, of the curve, if they are too far ahead of the curve, The problem is they underestimate the power in, in the step between. And markets, uh, the, the markets have a, a very simple, stupid rule. Markets go the line of least resistance. So they, they, if markets climb, that only means that climbing is easier than falling, which means that either the market is too cheap or at least there are too much buying power outside driving the markets higher and too less or not enough selling power. And that's what we have in mid-March. We have very pessimism, uh, high pessimism. And uh, later on, I will show you the positioning and you see that we also have a heavily underinvested community. And from that, it means uh, even if the, the news are very bad, market cannot fall because everyone has sold. Everyone wants to sell, has sold because he was in state of panic. When, will you want, when do you want to sell if, if not if you're in panic mode? Mm -hmm. so if you're not sold on that day, you never will do it mm -hmm. because you, you say, I, I don't touch my equities. And that means from that point, selling power was diminished or was, was satisfied. This recovery is to draw people back into the market. Sure, sure. And as soon as we have get them back to the markets and they have uh, get rid of their pessimism, you see the market drop again. 
Oh my God. That's, that's, you know, that's, and then, this is, the logic of markets. Yeah, yeah so. I'm so I'm so fascinated by this because it hits all my all my personal interests, which is the human brain, the human emotions, but also of course finance and business and what's happening out there. So it is so interesting to put these two worlds together and, and try to make sense. And I wonder for me, what is really the value of the Centix index of what you created? Something we've seen, of course, in consumer sentiment data, in business sentiment data, like in Germany, you have the EFO Institute coming through with their monthly indication. Now, Centix gives us a weekly kind of hint of where the markets are going. So it's leading. Tell us, Manfred, what is the market saying right now? What is the index saying about the market moving uh, forward? Yeah, it, it still says the market, uh, but we, we call it since March, we call it the rally of hope because after such a sharp drop, it, it's a beginning in our, uh, I, we think it's a beginning of a bear market. And the first phase of a bear market is you see a sharp drop, nobody knows what's going on. And uh, we reached the state of capitulation in the first part of uh, this um, drop. And then uh, we, we typically we see a, a, a movement called the rally of hope where, where the markets go back up again. And there, this, this really has one goal, to, to state or to reinforce the impression, hey, maybe it, doesn't, it, it, was, it wasn't so bad. Maybe we, 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 we have finished the, the, the problem. Uh, if, as soon as we have this emotion in the market, this really will fade off. But to get to this point, uh, the market has to climb and to um, reassure investors. And what you see, it it's very difficult for the market to do. Uh, still, after this rally, we are almost neutral in sentiment. And when mm -hmm. I share the second chart with yes. you, yes, please. Um, how people are investing, and I make it also a little bit bigger for you. Yeah. Nice. So hey. you, you you have the same chart as before. The blue one is the equity market, the the European equity market. And the green and red line, it's not sentiment now, it's uh, the position of investors. So you see it, it's not so fluctuating so heavily like the sentiment. So what people are doing in the market is far more steady. Um, uh, and you see it here. This was mid-March, very low investments. These are Z scores, so it means roughly more than one standard deviation below the average. This was, in statistical terms, the underinvestment. And we are now here uh, with 0.48. So we are still a half standard deviation below the average in terms of investments. And we expect this to get to the neutral mark. Uh, that would be an interesting point for us in the market if uh, the majority of investors is back on benchmark. Because you have to understand, most people think uh, that people are uh, loss-averse or risk-averse. That's not the case. What we as behavioral uh, finance analysts think is that people are regret-averse. They don't want to regret their decisions. And... In, uh, think about on uh, March and April, um, if you have such a crisis, where do you want to be with your portfolio? 
Do you really want to be above benchmark? In this crisis, nobody will take a long position in that point because everyone fears to, to, that other thinks you are stupid if you are invested in such an environment. And that's the problem right now. Uh, ask people, do you see it as a chance to get into the market? I think almost nobody would tell you that you have at the moment an, an investment opportunity. Everyone says, hey, it's the biggest economic crisis we ever had. Look on what's going on in the United States, what's going on in China, the problems we have in the Eurozone, how much billions we need to stabilize. Does this sound like a safe environment? No, it doesn't. So and that's security the, is very high. Mm -hmm. The markets stress this out. That's, the, that's how markets work. Markets stress the majority position as long as the majority give up. Because at the end, um, the, the return you get in the market is the return you get to, uh, if you take risk on. But risk on doesn't make that you invest in equities or bonds. Risk, on, uh, risk means that you take a position which, look, uh, which has the potential to, look, uh, to let you look like a stupid animal if it you go wrong. Okay, I, I think we have started to really get into what behavioral finance is, uh, is about. And we will come back on a more regular basis. I would love to check in with you uh, with the Centix index also because it's such a regular index and it's been super accurate in really predicting what markets are not only feeling but also acting upon. And let me just finish uh, this one. You, you were uh, with this quote, you were quoting before Robert Schiller, the Nobel laureate. And and there is another quote that you also share on your website, which is behavioral theory today, it says, uh, is the most exciting development in financial markets research. It teaches us that human psychology is key to understanding market behavior. And I think this is such a good way of closing the issue for today, simply because whatever we learn studying economics, I think that kind of human psychological dimension is hugely important when going into the markets and really uh, trying to literally make some money. Manfred. That's correct. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being with us here on Mentory TV. And uh, yeah, as I said, please come back. Uh, it's going to be hugely important to always listen to what you see in the index the market may perform and thank you again to my mentory tv community uh, great to have you with us i hope that was another valuable edition mentoring uh, from our side for you please let me know uh, what you think let me know continue to let me know what you would like to see and thank you so much for all your comments you've made so far i'm here for you at mentorage tv see you soon Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. 
Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.